Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 242 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening, Barbara? So, <laughs> oh, dun, I know. Dun. I heard there's another hurricane down there. Oh my God. Let me just say that we had worse weather from this tropical storm, not hurricane, than we had when there was a category four, category five right off our coast a month and a half ago. Yeah. So this one hit from the other side, right? And it went right across the state. We got a ton of rain, a little bit of wind. I mean, we worked. We didn't cancel work. We're Floridians. We're used to it. But yeah. A lot of rain, more rain than we got from that damn hurricane that freaking annihilated uh, south of us. But That's so crazy. I know. That's what it's like to live in Florida. <laughs> but the lab never shut down. Nah, we worked. Work never it. stopped. There was nobody on the road. Like when I came, I'm sure a lot of people's schools were closed, of course. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we stayed open this time and it was a good call. Nobody was in jeopardy. Well, I'm glad everything is all right. Healthy. I'm glad you've got all the rain you need for the rest of the year. How are you doing? Doing well. We're in the thick of fall here. Ooh, I'm going to Buffalo tonight, so I get to see it. You do get to see it. If it's anything like here, most of the leaves are on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that has been my life for the last week and a half. Is oh, that's what up you leaves. do? Ooh, that sounds Isn't that stupid? Yep. I'm out there and I'm thinking about you, so... <laughs> not romantically, of course. No, not at all, but I'm thinking... In places that don't really have fall weather, yep. do leaves fall? Mm, yeah, but not like they fall there. Like they don't fall off and die because it gets cold. They just, you know, it's summer's over. They're green. They just kind of brown up a little bit, but it's it's nothing like up there. So what does everybody do the end of October, beginning of November? Because I spend hours outside... <laughs> Picking dead debris off the ground and putting it in bags. Oh, I lay out in the sun. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm still laying out in the sun. Then you're not thinking about me and my back pain then. No, no <laughs> I'm sorry to say. <laughs> that is crazy. I, I never really thought about it. And then I'm like, I bet you there's places in this world that yeah. you don't have to pick up leaves. And then you said to yourself, bitch. <laughs> Why do I live here? <laughs> All right. So what's happening this week? Well, you know what? I want to make a quick mention. So I have a new role. I'm working at a lab and I'm doing a lot of chairside help. And this is kind of new for me. And I know we've talked to so many people on this podcast that they get to experience this a lot. I get to experience it. And you get to too, right? You get to go chairside and experience. So an office called me with a 91-year-old lady that kept breaking a metal partial. Ooh. Yeah, no idea. I don't know what she's eating. Rocks, chewing <laughs> on bark. I don't know. Maybe she's gritting her teeth because she's having to pick up so many leaves. I don't know. But I was able to meet with the doctor, meet with the patient, game plan what to do. We ended up milling a partial out of acetyl. <laughs> and seeding this yesterday, she was ecstatic. Aw, isn't Good feeling. Yeah. Here's a lady that could barely walk that took the time to turn around and look at me and say, thank you for everything. Oh. And now I understand. Yes. Now I get it. So emotional. Yep. That's great. It is. It's really cool. And now I can really relate to this other. I mean, we're not changing lives here. I'm not doing full arch yet, but it's just this little thing helping this lady and she's just i bet you she could dance if she could on the way out it was just yeah, so it, rewarding and you sound very sincere as well i'm really happy for you and and i'm being sincere that that's a big part of why i love what i do so i'm absolutely glad. Good for you that's great it's funny you know 13 years at another lab and hardly left the lab yeah my new role has me out there and it's it's just cool i just wanted to mention it and hopefully it's the first of many it's oh, just cool. exciting for me But this week, we have a great and wonderful example of why our industry is so amazing and connected. A few weeks ago, a past guest and good friend, Vincent Sylvia, who was on episode 133 talking about some really cool virtual reality stuff, he called me and said he's got the perfect guest for the show. Jorgen Gag joins the program 
all the way from Norway, mm-hmm. which is cool. We I don't, we've never talked to somebody from Norway. Right. Vincent and Gorgon both went to the UCLA Center of Aesthetic Dental Design under the teachings of Ed McLaren. They really talk about this really interesting competitive learning that they did and the live case seatings, and then they get into life after the program. Now, Jorgen has built up quite a reputation of making minimally invasive veneers. He talks about the kind of cases he works on, the pre-planning that makes them so successful, the materials he uses to achieve lifelike results, and how a combination of techniques he's learned from around the world and technology has made fantastic smiles while hardly prepping any of the tooth structure. It's some pretty cool stuff. Oh, yeah. You guys nerd out I a know, lot. I know, I know. I'm so, thank God. And I'm there just to ask the stupid questions <laughs> for all the non-ceramists to understand it better. I really, I'd ask some stupid questions, but I needed to understand it. Too. Yeah, well, you did good. <laughs> so join us as we chat with Vincent Sylvia and Jorgen Gag. You know, Barb, the holidays are just around the corner. I know, Elvis, don't remind me. We've got gifts, vacation, celebration, food, and God, it gets so expensive. Heck yeah, it's expensive extremely in this economy. Have you ever thought about turning in your alloy scrap from the lab? Well, I'll be uh, who has scrap anymore. Everything is mostly zirconia these days, right? True. But just look on how high the price of precious metals are. Oh, yeah. Record highs. Off the charts. Of course, you are using less precious metals these days, but if you turn in half of what you sent in five years ago, you will get more now than you got five years ago. Half. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can, actually. That's amazing. Of course, this is all if you use a trusted, reputable refining company. Well, I can say this, and I know this for sure. The only company I know that has been tested, trusted, and reputable for over 100 years, 100 years, is Colzer. They burn, melt, and assay all under one roof in their state-of-the-art refining facility in Wartburg, Tennessee. You know, they've actually doubled their production capacity to ensure that you get your payout within two weeks. That's quick. That's plenty of time to have your money before the holidays. I've got a question, though. How much of the value will we get? Well, the most of any company. Think about it. Their reimbursement to you is everything. Everything that you turn in, all they take is a 10% refining fee. Wow. There are zero additional fees. Colzer Refining will also send you a free container to ship it in, a prepaid fully insured UPS label, everything you need to get started. Just head over to mydental360.com forward slash refining or call our good friend, the Director of Precious Metal Refining, Tony Cercelli at... 914-906-1843. Well, I can tell you this. As soon as we're done, I'm going to ask somebody to collect all the vacuum bags, floor sweeps, miscasts, and spills from all over the lab so that we can get the best scrap return in the industry with Colzer Refining. Well, just because I know that you listen to the podcast, all you got to do is mention or note Voices from the Bench when you're turning in your scrap and Colzer Refining will add an additional 5% wow, that's a lot. to your value. Isn't that huge? Yeah. Just think of the gifts you could buy and send to us at the podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> and we appreciate your support of the podcast, Colzer Refining, that is always tested, trusted, and honest. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. I'd like to introduce Jorgen Gad. He is an MDC, studied under Dr. Ed McLaren. He's been well-traveled, studied with some of the best Yamada, Klaus, Mutertees. He's also a Noritake instructor and only in a dental laboratory in Oslo, Norway. He is one of the go-to guys, premier guys, when it comes to minimally invasive aesthetic dentistry. Jorgen, you have the floor. Hey guys, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> inviting me. Jorgen, how are you, sir? Vincent, taking over the host seat there for a minute. All I right. didn't know what to do. I don't think you 
<laughs> well, I think he pronounced his name correctly, Elvis. So you got through with that. So awesome. You're good. Cool. We're welcoming back Vincent Sylvia. How are you, sir? Very good. Thank you for having us. Good. All right. Yeah. From the digital healthcare computer fame. Glad to have you back on. A few weeks ago, you called me and you said, I got the guy for the podcast. And that's when you introduced Gorgon Gad from Norway. Jorgen. 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 I lived in LA for two years, so uh, anything that's close uh, with my name is fine. <laughs> <laughs> You've come to the right place. I'm in Indiana, right so yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I am terrible at it. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing very good. A lot of work, you know, the Christmas time is coming around, so uh, everyone wants new, oh, yeah. bright, bright smile, so that's yep. good. Yeah. This is always the crazy time of year for us, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, that's the life as a dental technician. Oh, yeah. In front of every vacation, there's always a lot of work. So. <laughs> I think it's universal around the world. Oh, yeah. Yep. Doesn't matter. So, Jorgen, tell us, how did you get started in dental lab work? My uh, father was um, a dental technician. He ran uh, Crown and Bridge Laboratory in, uh, in Oslo. Okay. So basically, due to the Norwegian education system, I could uh, cut a lot of years if I did uh, health. So basically, I could I could start the program without having the grades to get in, and then I can do the grades uh, the same time as I started. Because you were able to learn from your father. Uh, no, uh, because uh, we have this uh, system. So if you really know that you want to do, say, go in health, you can start in health and you can, uh, as, as soon as you start with health education, you can, you can do the grades you need to get in at the same time. So basically you cut, you cut some years. Oh, so to encourage the population to get into the healthcare. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of say that. And also, yeah. other, also other stuff, like if you want to be an artist or uh, we, we, ha- we have this system. So... It was a very easy way for me to cut some years in school and also um, start with my health education. So at that point, I didn't really know if I'm going to continue doing other health work or, mm-hmm. or what I'm going to do. But I, I started out in uh, dental laboratory school in Oslo, and I uh, I really liked it. So uh, it was a great, great way of getting the education. So it took, took me five years, and I had to work a lot in the laboratory. And uh, I also just have to finish all the all the grades that I needed to even to get into the laboratory school. So it was wow. a very, very, very nice way of, uh, of doing it. Then I was certified uh, dental technician when I was, I believe I was 20. And the same year I got into UCLA. So when I got into UCLA, I wasn't old enough to go to the bars. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we all remember that. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, uh, in Norway, you can go to the bars when you're uh, when you're 18. So basically, I, uh, I when I moved to uh, United States, I had to you know go back to not getting into the bars. Oh, jeez. We fixed it anyway, so that that went fine. Oh, I'm sure there was a way around that. <laughs> How did you hear about the course at the UCLA? It was uh, quite uh, advertised in uh, in Europe. Uh, really? I believe, yeah, I believe it was through uh, Quintessence. I first, we first saw it. And uh, we have, there's like a, almost like the same, if not the same program. They have like the same type of program in, uh, in Europe, which is like the master course, mm-hmm. uh, which is very, very popular uh, in Europe. So when this opportunity came along, I was really, really excited. And I, I did not expect to, to even get in because they, I think they had eight spaces when I applied and uh, six of them have to go to U.S. citizens. Wow, so, uh, my odds was very low, <laughs> but I uh, luckily I uh, I think what saved me is that we had a personal in- interview. Also, we had a skill test and a personal interview, and I I get to meet that at that time was the first time I met uh, Ed McLaren, which is a, oh Ed McLaren, yeah, yeah, he's a very very good friend of myself and my family and everyone now. But uh, that that was the first time I met him. That was the personal interview. Uh, this is almost 20 years ago. Wow. That was really cool. Yeah, I got in and uh, that's it. So what was the curriculum like at the school? Like, was it for an advanced technician? Yeah, it was very, very high level and very competitive, which I really like. It was uh, competitive driven uh, learning. 
which in a Scandinavian model is kind of unheard of. Mm -hmm. But uh, as a UCLA setting that, you know, the best case gets seated, you know, we work in teams oh, and stuff like wow. that. Yeah, I, 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 I thrive in that environment. So that was, you know, fantastic, fantastic. We can basically go to any lectures we want at UCLA Center for Aesthetic Dentistry. It didn't matter if it was surgery or anything. Like I was a sponge. I went to like three or four lectures in a week, which wasn't even close to related to what I was doing. I just wanted to learn for free. Yeah. I think I had four or five steps in Photoshop <laughs> just because oh, it was wow. free. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't need that anymore, but you know, it's, right. uh, it was free. So it was, uh, it was a great learning environment. Yeah, it's probably one of the smartest moves I, I've done in my career, I guess. Was it like a live patient or how did yeah. you guys get involved in the cases? And No, we had the live patients every week and you have to have a certain amount of cases seated mm -hmm. uh, each year and the best case always get, get cemented. Wow. So it was very, com very competitive, and, uh, but still in a very, very uh, learning friendly environment. And we have uh, connections to all the best gear, all the best. I mean, it was a gr great time. Yeah. It was amazing, you know, with Ed McLaren and his network of, um, how do you say, colleagues. And we had, you know, some of the top doctors from all over the world come in, different ceramists from all over uh, the world as well, Japan, Europe, Germany. I mean, we were just exposed to so much. And during our time at UCLA, we were also exposed to a lot of technology that wasn't released yet. Uh, we were the first people to use the piccolo and digital scanning and copings and millings. And uh, it was such a great time uh, because it was kind of that time where CAD CAM and digital dentistry started to really evolve and mm -hmm. were able to use it and test it uh, prior to it hitting the market. So they were coming to us for feedback, uh, figuring out the different nuances, what worked. Wow. So they just gave it to a bunch of students and said, figure it out? Go for it? <laughs> well, but most most of the, well, I will say everyone that was in the program were had uh, some kind of experience. And, uh, but the, like the amount of, uh, of gear, uh, products and stuff we could just play with, mm -hmm. it's just insane. Like I, I remember... Ed McLaren has this great saying. He says, uh, screw up as much as you can, guys, because now it's for free. <laughs> 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 Once you start your own business, you know, you, it's, it's a lot worse to screw up. So basically, we try to screw up as much as we can, which yeah. is great. So let me see if I understand this. You have a patient, and then everybody in the class kind of makes the same case, and then one of them gets picked. Yes, and even we're so competitive, so we had... Even uh, teams with, say there was one doctor and three technicians. And then they switch after half a year, maybe they switch. So then three different technicians on a different dentist. And they have to work together. They have to make this work. So it was fantastic. It was uh, really, really good. Who decides what gets seated? The patient? Yeah, basically. Nice. But you, you know how it is. Like when you have a bunch of professionals, you know, you know, you know who's the best case. Like everyone knows. It's like, uh, that's, that's the great part. So the way it went is we would have eight resident doctors and then we had the technicians. So we were able to work with actual doctors. And then like Jorgen had mentioned, the best case kind of gets seated. So the competition was fierce, but also just learning from everybody's different styles, perspective. I mean, it, it was so cool. We have friends and sure. a network, you know, from the Philippines, Japan, Germany, North Carolina, LA, like, I mean, Oslo. I mean, it, and then everybody else has their network internally. So the exposure we were all able to get, I mean, learning photography, inner oral, you know, not fogging up the mirror, negative space, art classes, Photoshop, like Jorgen says, uh, you know, clinical surgical lectures. I mean, it was nuts. How long was the program? Two it years. Was two, two years. Two years. Wow. Yeah, it was really, it, it was really cool. Like the program was great, but what I remember, what I, what I remember the most is like that competitive uh, learning. It was really, really good. It was done in a really, really professional way. And it suits, it, at least it suits me very well. Like, I loved it. I absolutely thrived in it. It's a very, very nice way of learning. Because if you did a mistake and you can see that your your friend and colleague did, did the right thing, I mean, you, uh, you don't forget that. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, Elvis? It was a different time back then. We were... All the rage was single central aesthetic dentistry. Oh, uh, there was no CAD CAM at that time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so everything was strictly uh, nuances, characteristics, things like that. But I think it really laid a foundation when digital dentistry hit and we were able to kind of use some of those advantages uh, and implement it sort of for a, a, an aesthetic digital process, if you will, yeah. you know, that less is more type of thing. Yep. When you guys are working on these cases, do all of the students use the same porcelains and then the same like? Yeah, we, we could choose. Uh, we could choose what kind of porcelain we wanted. We had like two or three of the, the, the best brands, uh, maybe more, four or five of the best porcelains. And um, you can choose which one you, you wanted to do. And then you have to join the live patient course. So what I used to do to uh, to get my odds better, I used to do like uh, my my favorite porcelain even at that point was uh, Noritake porcelain. Hmm. So I used to I used to do two cases. I used to do the cases that from the live patient course with the instructor, uh, and I also used to do like a second case with the Noritake porcelain. Ah, yeah. Cool. So I did. I always did like two cases. So just so I can learn two systems really good. So it, yeah, and it, it of course makes my odds better. You know, if you have two sets, it's uh, oh heck yeah. yeah, especially when it's a single central when you've got ten yeah, sets or or <laughs> ten or or ten, uh, <laughs> ten, ten minimal invasive veneers. You know, yeah, yeah. Wow. I went back as a um, affiliated instructor for UCLA for I think it was like almost the whole decade. It's like seven years after. I was back back and forth like once a year, lecture and stuff for the same program, and that was wow. great because the guys that came up three or four years after I was done, you know, that was uh, uh, Josh from New York and all those guys. Mm-hmm. They all came out three or four years after me, so I, I I kept you know really good relationship with those guys, and I was there just to you know kind of give back to the great uh, education I had. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great, great decade. I mean, I miss it already. I miss all the guys I used to like, to be honest. Is that program still growing strong now? No, no, not the, it's not the same. Uh, I, I, they have some program there now, but it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not the same. Never they be had, as good as it was, huh? No, but I think they, I mean, they, they had a big fire and stuff uh, in the laboratory. And I think the, it, I mean, it was a big program. I mean, it probably cost a lot of money to run. Yeah. So um, then you need like like a special person like uh, Ed to really uh, to keep this together, you know, mm. to do it that specialized and that connected. I, I think then you need like someone like like Ed to keep it all together. So when you went back to teach, what course? Uh, well, I did basically. I did uh, to be honest. I did whatever uh, Ed wanted me to lecture about. To be honest, but it was okay. uh, yeah, it was most mostly uh, minimal high aesthetic dentistry, which is I um, basically made my career doing. So um, just showing my porcelain techniques and how I worked in, in the laboratory every day and yeah, stuff like that. Even when we were there, we used to have three or four really really good guys coming in uh aki yoshida was there teaching we had uh, randy smith was there teaching vincent devo you know all of these uh, american-based very mm-hmm. nice uh, ceramists just coming in just having fun you know hanging out with a uh, very very um, inspired and uh, yeah gang of people yeah you know, you know what i think the, the coolest part about all that was elvis is some of these legends like we call them legends uh, in, in our in our mind they crafted this uh their technique over you know 10 15 20 years and they were sharing all that knowledge yeah. openly to us uh, shortening our learning curve by years so you know just some of those things i mean i will never forget i remember when i first started i had a whole toolbox full of tools when i left i was using only three uh just yes. really mastering the craft and one guy uh, vincent devoe i asked him you know i really like what you do and you know what you've done and he goes it's not just business these are life decisions you know which kind of equate to you know having a an easy path and so you know it wasn't just aesthetics it was you know uh, mentoring at its finest it really was and some of these relationships and pictures i mean like Jorgen said, going back and he went back and taught after and uh, the legacy that Ed kind of created there being not only a prosthodontist, but a master ceramist. I mean, just to really understand what the doctors are going through, you know, on the everyday and how we can accommodate them. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Let me ask you, Jorgen, when you teach a class on ceramists, is there lecture or do you just get right into it and just start hands on? 
Yeah, it depends what, what kind of lecture I, I do. If I do like a hands-on uh, lecture at a, at a lab, uh, mm -hmm. then of course I, I do the building and the trying. Maybe sometimes I do a live patient course. But the, the, especially now in Corona, it's been more lecturing like uh, for uh, symposiums. Yeah. But today it's a lot easier to show your techniques digitally because of all the fantastic computer and, uh, you know, I'm starting to get older too. So I remember my first lecture was with like slides, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of hard showing a video on slides, but today we can show like short videos or how, uh, how we build stuff and how we mix the porcelain to get the, the same effect without using pigments and, and stuff like that, which I like to like to do. So basically lecture today is also I, it's not a hands-on, but you, I also show, you know, some tips and tricks in my lectures. Mm -hmm. Do you do like a, a minimal cutback or do you design, like say you're doing a veneer case, do you design the veneer case with a cutback or do you cut it back with your hands after it's milled? It depends how, how thin it is. If I'm down to zero, two, zero, three, I cut it by hand because yeah. it's so thin. So yeah. uh, I don't take any, any chances because I, I, I press a lot of my uh, minimal evasive veneers. I press them first, then I cut it back by hand, and I, I put all the different portions on top. So that makes a very strong veneer. Not for, for me as a technician or my employees. Uh, that's not the problem. The problem is because we can make them very thin uh, with very good fit. But the problem is if it's too brittle, the, the doctors break in when it's cemented. Yeah. So um, I have uh, figured out like a new technique where I always try to use a little bit stronger material in the bottom uh, mm -hmm. of the veneer just for the, the dentist can be able to see it. But at the same time, don't have um, can make them really thin and, uh, and no pigments. Because uh, that's, that's basically one of my big things is I try to make natural looking aesthetics without paint or pigments. Yeah. Agreed. So it's all layered for the most part. Yeah, everything that's sold in my laboratory is layered. Yeah. And so how many porcelains do you use, like, average on your cases when you're doing an incisal layering? I do fully layering. So I would say average is about 15 to 20 porcelains in one, one veneer, average, around there. Wow. That seems like a lot, is it? Yeah, it's... it's, it's that's it's, a whole lot. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's as mu as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, wow. it's uh, I like to uh, do every case like I'm gonna have it myself, and I have also treated myself, so <laughs> I I have the same mix for myself. When you do non-pigments, you have to use a lot more uh, uh, powder and and break the light to to make it look natural. But once you stay away from the pigments uh, and you have natural color effects, mm -hmm. uh, it looks so much better in my mind. So when you're, when you're lecturing, do you have more of a basic recipe that's not that many that somebody can follow a little more easy or is it like always that many? No, it's, it's, it's kind of the same setup. Wow. But the thing is when you, when you use all these portions every day and you do many, many cases every day together with my uh, extremely good employees, it's not like you're... It's the same if you use four powders, if you use 15, it doesn't matter. It's the same time. The porcelain is there. You, yep. It's already, I mean, you just, you maybe spend a little bit more time mixing up the, the, the recipe for that, uh, say, single central, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yep. if you're doing a big veneer case and you use 15 porcelain or if you use five, it doesn't really matter. Time-wise, it's the same. But yeah. it, I mean, it, it makes a whole lot of difference in the effect when you're, you hit the right translucency, the right opalescency, and the right fluorescency. When you hit all these color physics, that's when it looks really good in, in yeah. my in my mind. I say so. Cool. Yeah, and then and then you then you can also change the color by cement. You can actually we we can actually try in the, the veneers before the patient goes back to the dentist and bond them. So yeah. if they're a little bit too light, we can change the color just by changing the the cement which it's impossible if you use pigments. Because if you use pigments, you block the light. Nothing happens if you use a triant or like yeah. a different cement. So you have actually great benefits. And if you, if you haven't used pigments, uh, the teeth also look 
completely natural in every light source. So it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if if uh, the patient goes to say a nightclub or a restaurant with like uh, candle lights. Uh, I mean, the teeth or the veneers will act like teeth no matter what kind of light setting the, the patient are, which is very important in my mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me ask a dumb question. Someone that's not a ceramist here. <laughs> are most crowns and veneers made with pigments? And it's uncommon not to? I don't know exactly what a pigment is. I mean, other than... It's the, color. The general term. The, the easy way to explain it is if you think of pigments as paint. Yeah. If you use a lot of paint in your restorations, at some point you will block too much light. So that means they will look kind of dead in some... some uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the less pigments you use, the easier it actually is to hit that, uh, you know, natural effect when it actually looks like enamel or... Uh, bleached teeth, you know, people make bleached teeth with pigments. I try not to use any white color when I make uh, bleached teeth because when you bleach your teeth, you, it has nothing to do with bleach with white color. It's just you have to change the reflective index of the enamel to stop a little bit more light from coming through the enamel, just like bleached teeth. Change the reflective index? Yes. Yowzer. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you if, if if you think of if you think of enamel as a window, yeah. So when you bleach your teeth, the only thing you do to the to the window is you're kind of sandblasting it, so you, it gets a little bit denser, so you don't see yep. what's behind. That's it. It's nothing to do with color. It's nothing to do with. Uh... So why do they make bleach dentin when there's nothing happening to the dentin when you bleach your teeth? Interesting. They've been lying this all this time. <laughs> no, it, they, they just made it a lot easier for people to match like a bleach shade yeah. to use, uh, use like a bleacher dentin. And of course, there's some patient that really wants it more than natural, you know? So that, that's when you have to go into those kind of powders. Yeah, more than natural being, holy crap, really, really white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to see my teeth before you see me white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some of those. Yep. So how do you get a shade that you're trying to get if you're not applying color? You do it with uh, changing the reflective index of the enamel. That's what I do. So say I'm going to do, I'm going to make like an A1, like a bleached. Yeah. A, um, if you're going to make a tooth that is like normally A3, but they bleached it down to A1. Yeah. Or say bleach. Um, you should not use bleach powder. What you should do, you should use the A3 color as the teeth really were, were made. And you should just change the, the reflective index of the your enamel mix uh, to, to match the bleached effect the patient has. So that means then you will block, uh, the enamel will look just as the, uh, the other bleached enamel on your restoration. Instead of trying to put like bleach, bleach dentin first and then a bleach enamel on top, it would look way too dead. It would look flat because you don't get any color from within. I think I know why I didn't become a ceramist. <laughs> well, I think it would help if you, I know that it's minimally invasive and Elvis is not speaking our language. Yeah, break it down for me, Barbara. I'm sorry. No, I mean, but when you talk about minimal invasive dentistry, which is the heart of, of what you guys both do, like, you know, what does that look like to Elvis or somebody that doesn't understand only prepping the enamel and, and you know, changing? That's a perfect question. And, uh, uh, and that is really, uh, that is really what I like to talk about yeah. when I lecture and also when I, uh, what I'm working with every day. So today uh, we have the great possibilities, you know, with the, um, aligners and uh, communication, digital communication between dentists, surgeons, ceramists. At this part of our lives in dentistry right now, we don't have to prep any tooth, almost. Any. We, if, if we, if we uh, work together as a team, we can align the teeth at the, at the exact uh, perfect uh, place so we can make non-prep veneers over. We can, um, yeah. So we have all the possibilities today if we work together. So we try, basically, we try not to prep anything, if it's possible. So you do a lot of non-prep veneers? Yes, I've been doing it for 20 years. Yep. 
don't they have to, I don't know, make some sort of room? I mean, no matter how thin you make it, doesn't it always bulk it out? No, because... Uh, uh... I know I sound like I don't know anything about teeth, but really, <laughs> I do. It's just... <laughs> No, it's uh, but I, I, I see your concern, but most people that have like wear their teeth down so they want veneers, uh-huh. they, ba- they basically prep their teeth themselves. Oh, natural prep. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you can also, most patients don't have a perfect bite. So what we do, we, if you guys are familiar with the doll principle, it's like we really like to add vertical uh, from canine to canine. Mm-hmm. And that makes a big advantage for us when we do uh, non-prep veneers, because then we can we can set up the perfect guidance, canine guidance, which you know seventy eighty percent of uh, the veneer cases they have lost their canine guidance. They have started wearing down the front, and that's when they show up at the dentist or at the ceramist and say, "Hey, can you fix this?" Mm. Yeah, no one ever went to the to uh, the doctor because they lost their canine guidance. They always show up when <laughs> they start losing their front. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Their smiles aren't as big and they're not as like you lose that length on your centrals. And yes. like, where did my teeth go? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Are you Definitely. laughing at this? I just imagine a, a patient going into a dentist saying I've lost my canine guidance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most dentists won't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> like the, most, most dentists be like, okay, I'm referring this person. <laughs> <laughs> So Vincent, you're doing the same thing, correct? Are you you still at the bench? Also, did we lose him? We lose him. So now he's in. The, uh, he's doing his uh, digital VR um, and computer. Um, yeah, he basically makes the computers for all these CAD CAM systems. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Which is uh, you know huge, huge. Uh, it's needed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's needed. You know, I also have a direct milling center, which is outside Oslo. And mm-hmm. I can just, just the amount of computer power we need. That's the hard part now is to get all these systems. You know, there's so many uh, cryptid systems and uh, licenses and all this stuff that has to come together. So mm-hmm. the, the computer power for, I mean, basically that's the biggest cost for uh, laboratories now is basically keeping up with the digital. Oh, yeah, the, the, the computers alone, just keeping up yeah. with the power to run everything is getting kind yeah. of ridiculous almost. You have a milling center? Yes. So you mill restorations for other labs? Other labs and also direct to dentists. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. Smart man. Yeah, so that's, uh, we actually have a contracted now with, uh, with the government now because we have so much problem in, uh, in Norway, which is funny, which is one of the richest countries in the world. We have a problem that, that dentists buy cheap, you know, very cheap, often fake materials, crowns from, uh, from, uh, wherever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we don't even know what the materials is, but it's sold as, you know, licensed health materials. Mm. And of course, this is always the the poorest people uh, in the community that, you know, gets the deal like that. So yeah. they basically pay the same uh, and they get uh, really, really mistreated. And it starts to cost uh, the society a lot of money. So uh, what are we offering now with technology is we can actually, if we do everything direct, like a pre-layered uh, zirconium block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like shaded. We can do direct milling uh, for almost for the same price as these uh, cheap companies. Because these, uh, it's not legal to sell direct to dentists. So what they do is they sell it through uh, Norwegian laboratories. That's like the, that's the way they get around it. So wow. it's, yeah, so it's it's quite funny that we're uh, we, yeah one of the richest country in the world and we have problems like that. But that's uh, that's just how the world world is. So these are mostly like single posteriors, bicuspids. Yeah, but we see we see now like I get a lot of the uh, if something goes wrong, I do a lot of uh, what you call it redos. Yeah, for other uh, dentists or say there's like a big. Uh, like a patient has uh, filed a complaint or something. Mm-hmm. Those cases end up uh, very often in my laboratory, especially in Oslo. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, good for business, but I don't really like to do those cases because if these people were treated before, most of these cases that are over-prepped, 
horrible ceramics, yeah. Yeah. worst material. And I have to tell them, you know, I say, we can always fix the aesthetics. I'm not, let's just do it right. Yeah. You will never get your tooth structure back. So yeah. if they, if they show up at the door, you know, be, before they get treated with these cheap, cheap uh, companies, um, they would be probably doing non-prep, you know? Yeah. Which mm. is uh, sad to see. Yeah. In Norway, does the government cover these for people? Well, they cover, uh, they cover uh, like acid damage, abrasive damage. Uh, they actually cover a lot of, uh, or they help with the bill if it's, uh, if it's sure. like a, if it's like a disease. Uh, if you, I mean, if you have holes in your teeth, I mean, you have to pay, of course. But uh, yeah, the government's not covering non-invasive no, veneers or anything. Well, they are. If that's basically how I uh, say started my career when I moved back from Los Angeles. I used to get all these bulimic young girls. Uh, oh. they, have, they have no enamel on the backside of their teeth because they, you know, throw up. Yeah. And I can show them that I can do it. I, we can treat them non-prep and we do the aesthetics at the same time. So, of course, the was, <laughs> and, the, and the government paid for a lot of it. So, of course, that was a very popular option. Wow. Um, right now, you own Art Pro Dental Designs. When did you start that? Were you going to LA during those times, or I started like the, the concept. Once I get back from LA, I actually went around the world, learning from you know the the ones that I thought was like the the best in the business hmm. uh, for like about a year. Different. I went to Japan. I went to Germany. I mean, I went all over. I learned you know even more, and then I. I moved back to Norway and I started my own concept, which was Art Pro Dental Design. I then I, I used to work out of my my dad's laboratory, and in 2000 and I believe it was 10, I built my own brand new laboratory and started basically only doing that concept. So what'd you do? Just call up the friends that you knew in school and go to Japan and study with them? I mean, how did you make that happen? Actually, I just, I, uh, I have a very good relationship with uh, Noritake. Uh-huh. Very good. So that was no problem. I just asked if I, I, if I could come and I, I got to uh, train with uh, Mr. Yamada. Oh, man. And uh, Mr. Aoshima. You know, all the big cannons from uh, Japan. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm the same way. If, if someone calls me and asks if they can come to the lab, I'm sure. I yeah. have people. I have people all the time. I have. I've, I've done it the last ten, fifteen years. I try to give back because I. I mean, I know how cool it is to be in a lab, and you know, because there's so many ways to roam. You know, that yeah. was makes makes this uh, our our field so uh, exciting. It's like awesome. Yeah, some guys are like really, really good at one thing. You can pick up a couple of things from those guys and, and you can learn something completely different over in Japan and you can take those two techniques and combine it and make your own. You know, it's, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah. So, so if someone calls me and asks me if they can stop by the lab, I mean, I have people in the lab all the time. Awesome. I know I'm geeking out, Elvis. Sorry. No, it's fine. This is this is all <laughs> you, man. <laughs> Every time I get a ceramist, I get to talk to him. I love it. So yeah. <laughs> How big is your lab now? Are you by yourself or? Oh, five five employees at the lab, and we also have a driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we run about six or seven people out out of the the laboratory. Nice. Yeah, the guys we have on uh, on porcelain and digital, they're just fantastic you know they're uh, extremely good guys and girls yeah and we work a team approach just as ucla to go back to that i've really brought that with me all the time like how much and with my dentists also my client list in europe is about 150 dentists and surgeons mm-hmm. so i i do you know quite a bit of work uh, some of the dentists doesn't use me for everything of course but uh, yeah we as a team, we can do teeth for all over the for dentists all over the world as long as we communicate, which mm-hmm. is so so cool with the, the digital. You know, we can plan the cases. Uh, that's also what I do. I'm, I'm very very sucker for planning. So that's basically mostly what I do these days are planning cases and uh, finishing cases in the mouth. That's basically what I'm doing. So walk us through planning a big case. What do you need other than obviously just the impression? 
Yeah, well, right now, 80 or 90%, I would guess. I'll say 80% of, of the work that come in the laboratory is, is digital, is scanned. Nice. Sometimes the patients show up at my facility because they know I'm going to do the aesthetics or ceramics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, that's also a very nice way. Uh, then we can do the planning. We can show them exactly what we're going to do and execute. And then we send them to the dentist we believe are the best for the job. They come oh, to you well, first. Well, yeah, so they come to you first. Yeah, that's more and more. I will say uh, more and more. Last 10 years, uh, that, that's been really... Because if you've done a couple of jobs, you know, the, the patient, they know who makes the you know, the ceramics. Not over here. And they talk to each other. And they talk <laughs> to each other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so that's a very, as, as you know, I'm a technician, first of all. So I think that's a very, very, very nice way. And it's also very, very uh, good advertisement for dentists. That's what many dentists don't get. Like if a patient comes for me and I send it to the dentist, that's like the best advertisement they can have. Because then the patient tells everyone else, you know, okay, yep. I went to Jorgen, he, he said he can do this and that. And then he sent me to this great dentist. And then I was back in the laboratory and we seated the non preneurs you know. I think it's the best way of uh, working together as a team. But let me just go back to like the dream case, which I actually yeah. worked a lot today. So today, say a customer outside uh, Oslo calls me and he says, I have this very nice patient. I scan the patient. Can you take a look at it? And I go in and we look at it and I say, okay, we can do non-prep. If we do a little bit of Invisalign, then I help the dentist set up the Invisalign. Then I help them set up the Invisalign for the non-prep. Because the dentist, they don't know exactly which angle because they don't make the, the veneers. They don't know where it's very critical, that it's not thin. Where it's, do you see what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Are you setting up the Invisalign to bring the teeth that are bulky in areas to turn them or to bring them in. Exactly. So today we can do like, you know, 10 to 15 uh, trays. Mm -hmm. And that means almost any patient can be a non-prep case or a minimal or non-prep case these days. So then we actually start by helping the dentist. We're not going to teach the dentist how to align teeth. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, Often they have aligned it. They say, can you look at this? This is before we have even touched the patient. And I said, yes, this looks very nice. Can you bring the incisal edge of the canine in a little bit, like a half a millimeter? If you yeah. can uh, lift the gingiva on the premolars, then she will have a very uh, nicer, uh, you know, aesthetic uh, gum line. You know, mm-hmm. small things like that as a ceramist we see right away, but it's very hard for a dentist to see that on a, on an alignment uh, screen on the computer. But, you know, as a ceramist, you see it right away. And you can, it's, it's, it's just small, sudden changes that makes a huge difference. It may, makes the difference that you don't have to prep the teeth. The alignment of the gum line is a lot better. You have better bonding because you don't have to remove gum. Mm. Yeah. So it makes just the process so much better. Yeah. Uh, then uh, we also do a lot of... We can just work out of one picture from a from a from a face picture. Mm-hmm. We can do the whole design. I would do. I will manually wax on the printed model, and I will make. Uh, a, yeah. I, will, I would do is yes. Uh, I would do a, a matrix, and I, I can try it in my laboratory and take pictures in my photo studio or the dentist. I can send it to the dentist, and they can do the pictures from the matrix, and then we have full control. They can also use it for a. As a non-prep guide, if you would like to say, uh, mm-hmm. to see that the teeth are aligned correctly before we start. And then we can show the patient in plastic, of course, how it's going to look before they even have aligned, before they haven't started doing anything. Wow. That's a huge selling point. Yeah. I mean, you guys can go on my uh, Instagram. I- I'm not too good on social media, but I have some cases there. You can see that we plan all the cases in uh, bisacrylic uh, mixed with composite. Uh, to make mm, it yeah. nice, of course, temporary, but also like we call it a prototype to show the yeah. vision. Try and, then we do, and then we, you know, we already at this point, we, we check for the correct canine guidance. So we, yeah, everything. How hard is it to do contacts on those cases? Contacts? Uh, well, actually, it's not hard. 
<laughs> what do you say? If, if you know how to do it, it's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very nice technique where I use a 0.8 millimeter thick diamond disc from uh -huh. Brilliant. I do all the contacts in one shot. Okay. I, I can show you sometime. <laughs> so I don't spend that much time on the, on the contacts. Even when you're layering, huh? You just don't go in a proximal that close to hit that edge so you don't have to recut it in? Yeah, I'm an old school carver. So I went away to everything is dry and then I carve all the awesome. proximals. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, yeah. Fire, I don't fire anything wet. I, I carve all the surface texture and yeah. So, uh, yeah, so basically what I put in the oven, when it comes out, it's basically uh, the same as when I put it in because it hasn't shrink that much since it's not wet. So you're even texturing. Wow. Yes. So I do all the anatomy and uh, I mean, of course, you cannot do surface texture. You have to do it with the burr, but yeah. I, I do like uh, what we call secondary anatomy. I do I do with uh, I do with carving. Old school. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's a lot of fun, in my opinion. Yes, yes. So are these still being made CAD at all? Yeah, I CAD, I CAD like the... The shell or whatever you want to call it. Before I used to do everything uh, refractory. Mm -hmm. But now, now I do, uh, I call it my hybrid version because today you can, you can buy uh, very, very good materials that are color physically uh, the same as refractory, if not mm -hmm. better. Yeah, they're a lot stronger, and that means we can CAD and press. So now yeah. I, I can I can press veneers now that are zero two, and then I can cut it by hand and add pores until it is still stable. So you're designing the wax and then printing or milling and then pressing. Yes, I press a lot and then we cut it back. Okay, but I also sometimes I do refractory also, but like the need for refractory with these new materials now, it's is very very. I don't do it that much anymore. I don't see any reason to because the, the, yeah. material, the materials are, but then again, I put porcelain on everything I sell. Like I don't sell anything without putting porcelain on it because I like the surface texture and the polish on, on feldspatic porcelain is so much better than uh, pressed porcelain. Yeah. So um, yeah. like I never use glaze uh, powder because, you know, I don't, I don't spend all this time with anatomy and surface texture and then fill it up with, with glass. You know, it makes no sense to me. So then I, I do natural glaze and then I have to polish, like most yep. ceramics do. Yep. So no glaze? No glaze. I'm so lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though, I got to tell you. So most of the patients you get to meet that are local. Yeah. Well, the, the, the trend now is like a lot of the patients also fly in. Yeah. Like, wow. Because the, and I don't blame them. Because uh, the, if they if they know they can get it really good by just you know have a weekend in Oslo and just stop by and and do like a custom shade shading. Yep. Maybe I do the try. I like to do the trying of the non prep. I try it in. I check all the contacts. I check which cement they're going to use with try and paste. Mm -hmm. I etch the veneers before we send them out. I do finished pictures before they are bonded. The dentist can see if they use this kind of cement, this is how it looks in the mouth. So they don't have to think about, okay, is it the right cement? Should I use this cement? That's when things are happening. Yeah. Because it's yeah, like, you don't want them to think. Yeah. But, you know, because, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> because people, people are, you know, it take, and I have to, I have to brag of the dentists I work with also, because I work with the best dentists, to be honest. Uh, and they are extremely good at bonding. And it's a skill to bond. Like the, if a dentist said that bonding is easy, I'm not too sure I want to work with them because <laughs> I know there's going to be a lot of problems. Like bonding is not easy. It's a, it's a trade. It's just like ceramics. You know, you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. As for me that and my uh, colleagues, that we spend so much time on the aesthetics and uh, the fit and the bonding, the even bonding uh, layer, and all this kind of technical stuff. So if the yep. dentist doesn't take his job seriously on the bonding, it's a waste of time. That being said, I haven't lost a veneer hardly ever. You've never lost no. what? Like in the lab or out of a no, patient's no. mouth? <laughs> out, of the, out of the patient's mouth. 
I have not had one veneer debonded unless it's actually my fault. If there was like, uh, say, if I forgot to etch it before I send it out or something like that. But then you see the uh, as long as the as long as the veneer, uh, sorry, as long as the cement is stuck in the in the veneer, you know it's a bonding problem. Oh yeah. If the cement is stuck on the tooth, it's a ceramic problem. Yeah. So I have never lost a veneer my whole life uh, when the <laughs> cement is, is is sticking on the tooth. So that means every time there's a veneer that has fallen off, it's always uh, the it's doctor's always, fault. <laughs> I, I would I, I would not say the doctor's fault, but it's like it's 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 a bonding issue. It's a bonding oh, yeah. issue. But the doctor's fault. Uh, then we can just fire the veneer at 350 uh, degrees, burn out the plastic, sandblast it, re-etch it, and then put it on again. So this is not a big problem. That's a heck of an achievement. Not losing any. Yeah, but I think that's the achievement of my dentist because they know how to bond. Yeah. The rest is just theory, technical, you know? It's, it's, it's like if, if a veneer is bonded to enamel, I mean, there's almost impossible for that veneer to come off. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have, you have almost better bond between the veneer to enamel than enamel to dentin itself. So we see, we see patients that, you know, go skiing. You know, skiing is very popular in, uh, in Norway. Uh-huh. They have great new non-prep veneers and they go skiing and they, you know, they, they fall and they, <laughs> they, they break their teeth on, underneath the veneer. They don't break the veneers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty damn awesome. Just saying, well, feel sorry for them, but. Well, yeah, so. it's not good, but it's good. <laughs> I don't want to fall on my face. <laughs> Barb's funny. never lost a veneer, right? <laughs> no. Of course not. <laughs> no, but uh, you, you, but you get my point. Like, uh, of course, yes. I, I lost the veneer. But if 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 I if I have lost the veneer, is always a technical problem. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I or my, me or my employees maybe took the wrong uh, acid, uh, whatever it is. It, it didn't sure. get, uh, acid uh, the correct amount, or but then you will see it right away. I have never seen a veneer fallen off. Uh, and the, the the cement is sticking on the teeth without the veneer being uh, something wrong with it. Like mm-hmm. if you have if you have uh, reached, uh, we, we we etch our veneers with a stopwatch because we know how much right. the veneer, yeah we know how much it, it really affects the bonding. And when when that thing is bonded correctly with a good dentist that knows his uh, bonding system, I mean it's a heck of a material. Like it's yeah it's a very very nice very nice way of doing it. That's why I say to all, all my uh, all new dentists, they ask me, "Hey, what what should I do to uh, you know start with high aesthetics?" And you know, everyone wants to do the aesthetic part these days. Mm-hmm. I tell them, just make sure you bond as much as you can and be really good at bonding. That's my best tips for a dentist. Yep. Because everything you bond will last, you know, so much longer than uh, stuff that is not bonded. Well, they don't have to prep. It's the only thing they got to do. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it sounds very easy, but it is. It looks like non-prep veneers is hard. Yes, it is. It is hard. You, yeah. you need you need to uh, have control. But if you if they have a good team around them, uh, you know, we can have makes um, bonding guides. You know that the veneers fit inside the guide, so they know it's all seated. You know, so they don't have to stress with keeping it. Um, they can just focus on on the moisture. Mm-hmm. So there's so many trips and uh, tricks you can do if you work together as a team. If you work not as a team, it always ends up over prepping in my eyes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I'm just going to take a little bit there. just going to take a little bit there just to be sure. And then you look at the case and you're like, okay, this is stupid because we, we didn't have to prep this case at all. What percentage have to go through Invisalign? Would you say almost all of them? No, 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 no. Most of the people that ha- have uh, acid damage or wear damage to their teeth, they need to be vertically fixed in the occlusion. And then we have, you know, we make veneers that are 0.2 thick, so then we have enough space. Okay. So I'm not too concerned about the space. The other part is we use Invisalign or, sorry to use the like a fabric name, but alignment, we, yeah. we, use, we, we use alignment a lot more because sometimes it's cheaper because if we can fix gummy smile um, situation, we can open the bite even better for veneers. We can change uh, the corridors. We can set up the bite better with Invisalign. 
we can do all this stuff. It's actually cheaper than doing like surgery uh, mm. on the on the gums. It's a, just a great way of planning. Sure. But to, to be honest, sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes a doctor calls me and says, hey, can you look at the misaligned treatment? What do you think for this treatment for non-preparers? Can you change it a little bit? And I look at it and I, I tell them, okay, we need to change the vertical bite here so much anyways. You don't need the misaligned. We can fix anything with the non-prep right away. We don't have to pull a patient through you know, 20 alignments. Oh, I bet you they love that. Yeah, because because, I mean, it's, you know, these alignment systems, they are great, but you know, the price point they're at right now, you know, it's it's quite expensive. And it takes time. I'm sure a lot of them just want to, I want my, I want my fancy teeth. Hurry up. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Well, Jorgen, that's some great stuff. I'll say. I am so happy. I'm sorry that we lost Vincent. Yeah. Kind of just disappeared on us. Technical issues, but I'm so glad he introduced us to you. Hey, yeah. thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I've been uh, I've been following your podcast, and I was like, this is nice. This is very uh, nice. Thank you. Yeah, we love hearing, especially you know Norway. I don't think we've ever had anybody from Norway, and uh, I know I love hearing what you're doing and the whole non-invasive. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. You know, uh, we have uh, some old, let's call them legends. You know, Sverkertoriskog, and uh, they've been very. It's called a Scandinavian minimal approach. Mm-hmm. It's always been very popular with uh, minimal invasive in Scandinavia. It's a great uh, place to be if you like to do uh, minimal invasive uh, dentistry. So I hope it catches on worldwide. I mean, I think there's a lot of over prep going on. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but I've I done I done some cases in uh, in the United States also for doctors, and uh, you know they get it. You know, as long as the doctors are good, they have no problem doing this. But it's the it, this is what I said. It's like in in every other field. Like if you're gonna do uh, such specialized work, you have to be a special kind of doctor, and you have to be a special kind of uh, or at least interested uh, as a technician. Because yeah. if you if you just want to do crowns, okay, non prep is not for you. But if you yeah. really want to do non preps and uh, and all that stuff, you know that's great. I see a lot of these uh, direct composite cases, which mm-hmm. is great. Dentist sent out a design, or sends the case to the to the technicians, and they do the design uh, for composite, and they print the model, and they do direct. I cringe because the aesthetics looked like hell. Oh, and, the, and, the, <laughs> and, and, the, and the patients, they pay, you know, they pay almost. No, they're not paying the same as non-prep veneers, but they have to do it twice. That's my bet, if not more, (laughs) because that stuff will fail. So, you know, they're going to end up paying the same after some years anyway. And I I mean, it's the most expensive mistake. (laughs) No, no, no. I call it, uh, it's the most expensive mock-up that you ever do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank Thank you, you, sir. We appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, it was awesome. I guess I see you guys in Chicago. I've been locked out for Chicago for two years due to COVID, but I'll be back. I had an 18-year uh, ring, so before COVID, and then uh, yeah. I can wow. go. So I'll be in Chicago. Excellent. Well, we'll look for you. I hope I see you. All right. Thanks, Yogan. Take we'll care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Two dynamic teams have joined forces to rock the intraoral scanning world. Whitmix has added the three-shape Trios line of scanners to its line of digital solutions for the dental office. Together, this dynamic duo can get your dentist scanning, providing you the reliable scans you need for your lab work. If you're interested in learning more about helping your dentist, head over to tinyurl.com slash Trios. That's T-R-I-O-S. Again, that's the word tiny. URL dot com slash Whitmix T-R-I-O-S. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. A huge thanks to Vincent and Bergen for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we're kind of super sad that we lost Vincent during the conversation. Just some of the pains of doing a remote recording. But... It was wonderful to learn more from Gorgon. It sounds like more doctors and technicians should be trying to do more and more minimally invasive veneers. It's the best of both worlds. 
you're saving tooth structure, and you're making better smiles. I apologize to the removable technicians for geeking out so much about ceramics, but I am a ceramist, so I am what I am. You're allowed to geek. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you do quite often, so. (laughs) But there's been a lot of episodes lately about removables, and it was due time to talk to a fellow ceramist. Thank you very much, Vincent and Gorgon. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Welcome to November, everybody. I don't know. I'm making up as I go. (sighs) 